0: If you would like to earn CPE credit for listening to the show, visit earmarkcpe.com backslash FPA. Download the app, take a short quiz, and get your CPE certificate. If you would like to earn continuing education credit for your FPA certification from the Association of Finance Professionals for listening to the show, go to the show notes for details on how to earn the credit. Finally, if you enjoy listening to FPNA today, please go to your podcast platform of choice, click the subscribe button and leave a rating and review of the show And now on to the show from DataRails,
1: this is FPNA today.
0: Hello everyone, welcome to fp a Today. I am your host, Paul Barnhurst, aka the fp a Guy. fp a Today is brought to you by DataRells, the financial planning and analysis platform for Excel users. Every week we welcome a leader from the world of financial planning and analysis. Today we have a special guest that I'm delighted to introduce. We have the CEO of DataRells with us, Didi Garfunkel. Didi, welcome to the show. Thank you, happy to be here. Well, we're really excited to have you. Well, let me just start by giving a little bit of an introduction and then I'll give you an opportunity to tell us more about yourself and your background. So he's coming to us from Israel. He is the co-founder and CEO of DataRels. He earned his bachelor's in computer science and an MBA. And so, as I mentioned, we're thrilled to have him. Why don't we start with you telling us a little bit about yourself and your background?
1: Again, uh, thank you for uh, having me. And it's a pleasure to join your uh, fantastic uh, podcast. In my, I started my career as a software engineer. Actually, I started at a very early age of 11th grade. I studied uh, computer science and I started to work in as a software engineer in a gaming company. And for 10 years, I uh, developed software, team leader, director, VP R&D. And then I moved to a more... uh, management positions. Um started as a COO in a mid-sized company. And then this company acquired by uh, Cisco. And I served as a GM, general manager in uh, Cisco here in uh, Tel Aviv in Israel. And managed a business unit of uh, 200, 250 people.
0: Thanks. I pre- appreciate learning that. And then from there, was your next opportunity to be, did you become CEO of DataRails? Was that kind of the next step?
1: In 2015, I started uh, DataRails together with my uh, uh, co founders, Yal and Oded, and we founded uh, DataRails.
0: Great. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that story, kind of how it came about, you know, a little bit about that DataRails journey? We'd love to hear you know, the background to that story.
1: I started to work in uh, Cisco. I envision uh, Cisco as the biggest IT company in the world, That uh, everything will be automated. End of month, you click on a button and you see all the data <laughs> populated, <laughs> graph charts. And the reality was a set of uh, spreadsheets. A lot of uh, manual work uh, spreadsheets go back and forth between the my subsidiary and the headquarter in, uh, in uh, California. And at some point, I thought about... Um, A different uh, maybe concept or a different angle to try and solve the what we call the Excel hell problem. And instead of the traditional or typical angle to to solve this problem by replacing Excel-based processes with vertical. SaaS solutions, I came with the concept to try and let the the organization keep using spreadsheets and keep using Excel, but try to transform the Excel from being a personal tool into an enterprise application. And my idea was to connect the organization and spreadsheets into one centralized database. And to develop the capability, the algorithm to take the Excel data and transform it from a semi-structured data into a structured data in a structured database. And that was the idea and uh, we started Data Rails with a very, very wide vision without even a specific use case or specific uh, uh, vertical, but let's offer a platform to connect all the organizational spreadsheets into one centralized database.
0: Got it. That makes a lot of sense. And I, you know, I've heard a little bit of this story before, and I think it's great. So, how did you come to the uh, conclusion that finance was the right vertical for this tool? How did it go from being kind of a general purpose, we're here to make you know Excel an enterprise application, as you mentioned, to this is really an enterprise application for FP&A? How did that come about?
1: So. It was a a long journey, three, four years of looking for a product market fit from a very wide solution offering, try from selling to large banks, financial institutions, insurance companies, all these giants that use spreadsheets all over and try to find use case that can be repetitive, that can be scalable. We tried different approaches. And today it looks like uh, that it makes a lot of sense, but it took us like a, a, a year or two to identify and to convince that the way finance people look at Excel is totally different from a way other business users look at Excel. Finance people love Excel. They see it as a essential tool kind of from operational system. You can say a canvas, you can say even kind of a skill that every finance people needs to have in order to uh, succeed. So the finance department was the first focus or the first, the first pivot from the organizational tool to a financial tool. And once we identified the finance department, the FB&A use cases are the classic consolidation challenge because every every fpna uh, process starts from collecting data from multiple sources in different structure different shapes different systems and here our capability to transform semi-structured data into structured data and came up with a very very strong competitive edge very strong capability that enables us to take manual processes and automate them in a very, very short time. So the FPA was the additional focus that we performed and the, the last pivot that we've done in, in the beginning of 2020. And since then, we are succeeding and growing in a very, very high, high pace, becoming one of the, the leaders in, in this market. Thank, thank you for sharing that. And
0: you know, I'm not surprised to hear you say finance views Excel different than the other parts of the business, right? As the saying goes, you'll have to pry it out of our cold, dead hands, as some people say. You know, Excel seems to be the, uh, the definite tool of choice for the average finance professional. As you mentioned, there's a lot of those challenges because it's not great at consolidating data. It's not great at serving as an enterprise tool, collaboration, many of the things that finance needs to do. But at the same time, it's great for modeling and it meets a lot of needs for that analysis. So bringing something that marries that and brings that together is really important. And I think, you know, That's an interesting journey. You mentioned the five years of finding product market fit, kind of starting in 2015, 2020, really getting turned to FPA. And it sounds like today you're seeing a lot of growth and you've seen a lot of adoption in the marketplace. How is kind of data rails being received and how's the uh, kind of that growth journey going at this point?
1: We, since we started to sell to the FPA solution and we focus on uh, small medium businesses, companies between 50 employees, once you have some level of complexity in your financial department, until 500 or maybe 1,000 employees. This is our spot. We speak directly with the the C4 or the decision maker, and the promising is to take all the models, templates, all the processes that you have today, and first, automate the processes, and save a lot of time, a lot of mistakes, and make everything automated. This is one. Second, the ability to analyze the data because now everything is in our database. So you you can analyze the data in a way that you couldn't do it with just spreadsheet because now we have database beneath these spreadsheets. So analyze and visualization. You can share the data. So we actually provide a full product offering with automation, analysis, and visualization that everything is built around your existing models and existing processes. This promising is very appealing. So we are able to sell the product and to grow in a very, very impressive way, regardless of the situation in, uh, you know, the COVID and uh, not COVID, the, uh, the, the economy, we sell in different prices, different price structure. The product market fit is super, super strong. And we are growing in double figures every year. And we continue to invest a lot, a lot in the technology, in the growth itself. And we are adding, we are not uh, a stay with what we have. We are adding more and more capability, focusing now, and probably we'll talk about it later, about the new world map. <laughs> okay? The, the, the AI, or specifically the Gen AI, that we believe is the, the next phase, the next thing in, in the business uh, software at all, but in the CFO software, the CFO tools, we believe that it's a, it's a, a game-changer.
0: Great, and yes, we'll definitely get to AI here in a minute and talk a little bit more about that as it's transformed our world over the last year to really see it become mainstream. I mean, it's been out there for years, but we've seen that mainstream adoption at a level we've never seen before. But before I jump there, I just want to ask kind of one more question. Obviously, it sounds like one of the biggest challenges you face as a company is finding that product market fit. It took several years. And I imagine there were some real challenges during that. But what are some of the other challenges you faced after finding product market fit? What are maybe some of the biggest challenges you faced as you've tried to
1: scale the company? So the biggest challenge that we hit was efficiency. In the end of 22, together with the, the entire SaaS world, we wake up in the morning and we understood that It's great that we sell like crazy. We increase our top line in an amazing pace, but we burn too much money. (laughs) (laughs) It it sounds like like ridiculous, but that was the the situation. I mean, we had a a mindset of grow at all costs and we had to shift the entire company mindset to keep the same pace, but to do it with 50% of the budget. And it was a journey of uh, nine to 12 months in each department from marketing, sales, product, R&D, the, every department in the company changed dramatically and we have succeeded. Now we are growing at the, almost at the same pace with 50% of the expense, which is, it makes me look at the past years and say, what have we done? <laughs> but, it's been, but now we are, we, we, we succeeded to improve the unit economics dramatically and to be much more efficient. And it makes a lot of sense.
0: Well, you know, as I've often heard it said, necessity is the mother of innovation, right?
1: Exactly. It's so
0: true. Be innovative or run out of cash when all of a sudden all the money dried up. So any insights or lessons you could share, particularly for our finance audience from that journey? You know, how can they support companies that are going through that? Because that's not going away. I think we've kind of shifted mindsets now, and we'll continue to see that in the future, of the importance of balancing cost with growth versus that mentality we had when money was free of, you know, grow at any cost, right? So any advice you'd offer to our finance audience of how they can support the business if they're going through that transition, that journey?
1: I think that the advice that I'm going to, uh, to share is relevant for, especially for tech founders, uh, that leading uh, SaaS uh, companies, that I think we tend to follow benchmarks and KPIs to think of the world from the investors or the potential investors' point of view. It brings you to the wrong, sometimes to the wrong path. Because if you start to think about your business as a business, forget about benchmarks, forget about Just look at the business, the unit economics. Does it make sense? Can you take what you have today, put it in a spreadsheet and see how it goes to the 100 million ARR, 1 billion ARR? It makes sense to you. So it makes sense, regardless of benchmark. I think this is the shift in the mindset that we did and helps us to make the right decisions and fix piece by piece, part by part with this mindset and then the the entire organization shifted to the right direction
0: got it appreciate that so if i heard that right it sounds like sometimes just stepping back you know ignoring the benchmarks and all things looking at the unit economics, looking at the business and say, is this scalable at these numbers? And how do we do that? And focusing on the, the true business measures, not the investors, not the benchmark, not the metrics, but kind of true to who you are and how you would scale it. Is that what I'm hearing? Exactly. Great. I think that makes a lot of sense. So thank you for sharing that. So now I want to get into a subject that I'm sure everybody you know, is excited to hear about, AI, right? We've all seen it over the last year. So can you share your thoughts on how you see AI impacting the Office of Finance, the Office of the CFO?
1: I look at the AI, or we mix AI and Gen AI, but let's call it AI. <laughs> I look at it as two different approaches or two different directions. It's like the the hands and the the, the brain. You can use AI to extend your hands, okay? To have more employees. Or by automating processes, by making things uh, faster, by uh, reducing headcount, shortening time to uh, deliver, which is amazing, right? We use it a lot internally in DataRes. It's amazing, but it's not a life changer. If you have, uh, if your business is good and you have a good uh, business plan, so the gap between uh, 10 employees in the financial department to uh, two employees or five employees, this is not what will save your business or make it successful. Other part is to look at AI as an extension to your brain. And here, I think this is a life changer. To let the CFO or the FP&A manager to have a tool that can be like an extension to the fp a brain. And the extension can be by take the same, let's say, analysis, the approach that you try to analyze your business but let the AI to run it in a scale with all your historical data, with all your, uh, with the, all your, the dimension in your organization, with all the sometimes the data can be internal data in the company, but can be external data. For example, in the, in the, the tools that we developed in uh, in data wells, the AI look at for example your customer base, okay. Let's say that uh, it's very common that you see 20% of your customers responsible for 80% of your revenue. Let's say that from this 20% of your customers, something interesting happened for this uh, company. You see in the news, they had some uh, good news, bad news, something happened from currency, from, I don't know, a disease in, in China, I don't know, whatever. And you as the C4, the FP name manager, you cannot hold and process all this data. You can use this data. You can direct the the, the machine, but you cannot run all this endless information. And AI can take and can be this uh, multiplier that can take a a good CFO and make him the amazing CFO with this uh, capability. And I think this is a life changer. This is a game changer that can, uh, can change the industry, can change the way CFO works, and, and this is the direction and the path that we take Datares are its, uh, products.
0: So let, let's unpack that a little bit. Can you talk about you know, how you're implementing that vision at DataRails? What are you doing in the way of AI? And how are you thinking about you know, incorporating it in your product?
1: So as I said, we do not look or we do not use AI for the productivity part in the product. We let the product run the automation, the consolidation, generating the reports, everything, data rails know how to do it before and after the AI. This is, we don't need the AI for that. But once the data is consolidated, the reports are ready. Now, this is the time that the CFO is consuming the results, right? The CFO look at the data and I, we try to improvise the conversation between the CFO and the FP&A manager by the end of the month, the FME manager get into the room of the, the CFO and the CFO, okay, tell me what happened this month. Anything interesting? Should we change anything? Something relevant that I need to know that happened in the finance department, maybe in the operational side of the organization, maybe something that happens in the business world that I should be aware of. Right? These are the type of the questions that the CFO asks the FPNA manager, and the FP&A manager should provide. And this is exactly what we build. We're already providing very interesting capability, but we uh, we we invest a lot of of manpower and brain power in this direction to make it the perfect, we call it the virtual FP&A assistant that can answer exactly these questions.
0: Thank you for sharing that. And you know, I think uh, virtual assistant is a good term for it. I've heard some people refer to some of those type of things as almost like a, an intern or you know, a junior analyst. You still sometimes have to validate things, but it gets a lot of the work done for you. It gives you good insights and gets you started on that journey and really can make things a lot easier. And so I appreciate you sharing that. I, I'm curious, you know, your take, how do you, as a CEO, look at your finance and FP&A department? Like, what, what do you want from them? What's, what's
1: your expectations? So, first, we use DataRails in DataRails. <laughs> so, the FP&A, I, I experienced the same experience, but like each one of our uh, uh, thousands of customers that use the system. First, the basic ask from the FP&A department is to have the data accurate, organized, Consolidated. I mean, before that, you cannot do anything. Second, I want my ritual uh, information. I want every day to see this, every week to see that, every month to see that. And I want my dashboard. And above that, I want the exceptions. I want to know what's going in the wrong direction, but to to know it on time. Once it started, before it's getting something that it's already a problem. I want to know before the problem is arrived. I want to know if something happened behind the scene. I can see that the revenue is going up, but maybe something changed, not only in the revenue, the total, but something happened under the hood. Maybe the customer territory can be maybe the industries. If there is any trend that I'm missing to make sure that I'm not missing something that at the end of the year, I will look back and see we missed that. The way we develop data rails, we also use it, of course, in data rails. So, if, if something happened in data rails and, and, and in, in the company, and the data rails product couldn't uh, identify or let me know ahead of the human FPNA, so I know that we need to improve more and more parts in the, in the product. So, my ideal result is that I get the push from data rails that I need to pay attention to this or to that. Got it. Uh, it's great that you used it internally
0: and it gives you that opportunity to see you know, how customers use it, right? As you're using yourself and how to push that. And obviously, as you mentioned, you want to see all your financial reports. You, the, the baseline is those table stakes of, hey, getting the historicals right. So then we can predict going forward. You know what it is like. 13 different spreadsheets emailed out to 23 different budget holders multiple iterations, version control, errors, back and forth updates. You never really feel in control of the consolidation and collection process. Yep, I've been there. Stop, breathe. Data Rails is the financial planning and analysis platform for Excel users. Data Rails takes data from all your company's disparate sources. No organization is too complex. Consolidating everything into one place. Secured in the cloud. Now all your data finally talking to each other. Everything is automated back into your report in Excel. Cash flow, FX conversion, intercompany transactions, now automated and up-to-date. Drill down and variance analysis in seconds. Don't replace Excel. Embrace Excel. Turn your Excel into a lean, mean FPNA machine. Find out more at www.datarails.com. I'm curious what advice would you offer to finance professionals, CFOs that are listening? You know, if they want to start implementing AI and not, you know, not just necessarily in an FP&A tool, but just in general, how how should finance be thinking about implementing AI, you know, within their functions as a whole? Any, any thoughts there or advice you'd offer?
1: I think that to look at AI, because we know that we are in a very early stage of this revolution, I think that everyone needs to look at AI, not as today, but to look at uh, 2026 or 2025 and plan the path to get there with the right uh, tools, the right technology that can get you to the real, to the core of the AI revolution two or three years away. I think that for the CFO today, it's pretty confusing today. I, I can imagine the CFO goes to the, I don't know, some conference, from uh, Ernst & Young, PwC, they go to a conference and they hear AI, Gen AI, and but they go back to their companies and they and they have the day-to-day is very many details, numbers, spreadsheets. spreadsheets. So there is no connection. And I think this is what stands behind your uh, question, right? This is no connection, and and you cannot do the revolution in in one day, but you can think of the the path. And now you need to choose the right partners or the right technology stacks that will take you in the right approach. Because what we have today is very impressive. It's just the beginning. (laughs) Yeah.
0: That's what's amazing is to think, hey, you know, we're at the beginning of this journey in that we'll be doing things in a couple of years that we haven't even thought of yet today. I, I think we really, you know, we'll continue to push the envelope and see real Leaps and bounds. I mean, if you just think, you know, when ChatGPT came out with 3.5, and everybody's getting examples of all kind of the mistakes it's made, how much progress it's made to today with adding code interpreter, you know, adding the internet, adding images into it. You can take photos and being more accurate, and that's only going to increase with more time, more data, more focus, more you know, investment. So I agree with you at the beginning of the journey, and I think every seat. CFO needs to chart out their path. They need to think about what makes sense. What's that journey look like? How do I benefit my team with the resources I have? So appreciate that. So this next section we have, we like to call this the get to know you section. It's just a couple questions to help us get to know you a little bit better and kind of have a little fun. So the first one here is, what is something interesting or unique about you that not many people know?
1: One thing maybe is the, I dropped out of uh, school at the 10th uh, grade. I was a computer nerd. I wanted to do coding. <laughs> so I left uh, school and I continue uh, by myself. So uh, maybe this can be uh, an in- interesting point to the, all the kids that have get troubles and uh, can't uh, find themselves in schools and in uh, some uh, with all the older discipline. And school is just a phase doesn't say anything about you, about yourself, about what you're going to uh, to do when you, you finish uh, school. Everything is possible. Great advice
0: there. So I'm curious. I'm going to ask a follow-up question here. What was the first uh, coding language you learned?
1: Basic. It was with the uh, numbers, 10, 20, 30, 40. It was each line has uh, had a number. And then a Pascal, and then a C++.
0: That makes sense. My daughter does... Uh... She's 10 and she goes to a coding class, you know, they start with Scratch and she's been enjoying learning the basics of coding. So I think it's definitely a valuable skill, you know, and it's one that I think, you know, it's good for everybody to know at least the basics. So this next one is a fun one we like to ask everybody. If you could meet one person in the world, dead or alive, who would you want to meet and why?
1: This is a a tough question. One for sure is uh, this guy, uh, Michael Jordan. I don't know if you can see the picture. <laughs> I, I
0: can. We talked about that one earlier. Why Michael Jordan?
1: I think that he was an exceptional in the way he competes. The way he competed, it was exceptional. He saw nothing else but winning. And I, I'm not saying this is the way to perform and this is the way, but it's something to I don't know if to admire but it's something to see how far can you get with the right mindset. So this is this is Michael Jordan. I really like or admire people that with a, a vision that you look in the retrospective and think how the hell they they knew how they had this courage and this visionary and this capability to think ahead. So maybe the, the first uh, prime minister of uh, Israel, the, David uh, Ben-Gurion, this is one person that you can say how he was such brave and uh, such a long-term visionary to think about how to build the foundation of this successful uh, uh, country as we are today with all the, the things that you, you look retrospectively and think, wow, this is amazing
0: there are definitely people like that. Like you said, you know, first prime minister of Israel, you know, Michael Jordan, obviously going six and Oh, you know, winning six titles, never losing in the finals, winning the MVP every time. I mean, those are amazing accomplishments, you know, amazing athlete. I wish it would have been four and two being a jazz fan, but I do have to appreciate his (laughs) greatness. So, you know, I won't hold it against you that you like Michael Jordan. I think he's the greatest NBA player of all time and an amazing winner. He is, he was truly amazing to watch. So I, We'll totally agree with you there. So this next one, this is a fun one because we, you know, we talk about generative AI. We like to ask people, what's the last thing they either Googled, looked up on YouTube, you know, or used generative AI? What's the last thing you asked it? And in particular, if it's related to finance, that'd be great. But if not, you can give us a different area. But the last thing you either Googled, looked up on YouTube, or used generative AI to
1: answer. So I took all the questions that you gave me ahead and I put it in ChatGPT and ask, what will be the perfect answer for these questions? <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> I had,
0: actually, I had a guest do that. It was pretty funny because we, we had a discussion about budget and he asked ChatGPT to write all the things you consider in a budget. And he sent it to me and the answer was actually pretty good. So kind of speaking of
1: that, we kind of we laughed about it. ChatGPT is amazing. And for people like me that uh, English is the, the second language, I required, you know, to to sometimes to send emails and, and convey messages that should be sometimes deep and, and, and complicated. So so I use, instead of translating text, I use ChatGPT to translate and improve, which is amazing. I use it 10 times a day, at least.
0: Yeah, I use it quite a bit to uh, summarize transcripts. Like, you know, our conversation here, it's like, I can go listen to it again for 40 minutes in two months when I need to post about it, or I can ask ChatGPT to summarize it, help refresh my memory, look at a few things, and edit the post versus having to start from scratch every time. So it's it saves so much time. It's great at those type of things.
1: By, by the way, the ChatGPT is amazing with text, amazing. And the challenge is to take these capabilities and transform it to numbers, which is a different story. A different story. And and this is part of a. The reason I think that you don't see many companies like Data Rails that were able to productize, chat GPT, open AI capabilities in the product is because the challenge to take large language models and use it in finance, in numbers, when you need to be accurate, terministic. So this is something that it's a, it's a very, very challenging.
0: Yes, yeah, so I know dealing with numbers and ChatGPT is a real challenge versus uh, processing text. You know, I know that's been one of the, I, I've asked it enough finance questions. That I know that that's where uh, you know, if I have a finance thing, if it's using code interpreter, I trust it a lot more that it's just returning an answer from the, you know, the language model. I agree with you 100% there. So this last one, this is a favorite question of ours. We've done this since episode one. I think it's the only question we've asked in pretty much every episode. Favorite Excel function or favorite thing about Excel?
1: Pivot, 100%. I pivot everything. (laughs) (laughs) I pivot everything. And my uh, hobby is to teach people to use pivot, but not tech people. To uh, show it to, you know, like the people outside of the tech, how to use pivot and to see the surprise and amazing in in, in in their face, this is I think this is amazing to 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 bring the the this strong analysis capability to the to everyone. This is something that uh, Microsoft did so well. Yeah, the pivot table. I can't even begin
0: to think how many hours I've spent using a pivot table, and I still remember the first time I was trying to figure it out. I was sticking like tech stuff in the values. I had no idea how to use it, and I'm like what's the benefit of this? But then once I actually figured out how to use it, it's like, oh, wow, this is really cool. And, you know, today I'm like super excited. About a month ago, Microsoft announced it's in beta. They haven't released it, but they've They've now created a pivot by function and a group by function. So you can create that same, you know, with dynamic arrays, you can basically create dynamic pivot tables. You don't even have to run it through a pivot table if you don't want, right? And there's some benefits of why you do both, but it's just exciting to see, you know, more and more ways to analyze your data within Excel. I'm, I'm excited for the continued development that comes. And yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge user of Pivot Tables, so I can appreciate that answer. Last question here before we let you go. You know, if someone wants to get a hold of you or maybe learn more about you, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: Come and play bas- basketball with me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, give me a plane ticket. I'll be on my way. <laughs>
1: I used to play a, a a lot my kids playing I think it's a game that brings many many skills together you know the way to walk in, in in a team individuals walk under pressure came back from failures so I think it's a you can see the entire life cycle of the the entire life in in, in a basketball basketball game
0: Yeah there's there's a lot of truth to that so we'll put in the show notes uh if you want to meet him, ask him to where to join the basketball game, the pickup game. <laughs> so, you know, really appreciate you carving out some time for us today and getting the opportunity to chat with you and just learn a little bit more of the backstory. And, you know, we wish DataRails the best of luck as they continue to grow and scale the company. We know this is a market where people have a lot of options and you know, it's always a challenge to... Constantly trying to grow and innovate. So we look forward to you know continued progress to best serve FPNA professionals because you know we all need as much help as we can and having an important and the right FPNA tool is important for us. So thanks for being one of those that serves the marketplace. Appreciate it.
1: Thank you for inviting me.